Yeah. Good morning. Welcome to the Canine Translators Podcast. This podcast is dog trainers talking about dog natural training and all things dog behavior. We are your hosts, Tara Sturmer and Laura McClure, head behavior trainers at Canine Working Mind. Our facility is located in Austin, Texas. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future podcasts, please email us at info at caninetranslators.com. That's info at the letter K, the number nine, translators.com. All right, so it's an early Thursday morning, uh, and Laura and I have already done take two on this beginning part of our podcast because neither of us. We're not awake. Neither of us are awake. Um, Again... I'm going to put it out there for the crowd that uh, Laura books these on the appointments. She schedules times and makes me do extra hours <laughs> to get the podcast not out. Not just you. I made it in a morning, and I'm not a morning Laura person. Laura is not the morning person, so no. we are going to be drinking coffee in between the conversation today, which, I mean, we have a great conversation to, to discuss today. Yeah. It's about shelter dogs, um, so this is, uh, for, for me one of the reasons why I got into the field, but uh, before we talk about shelter dogs, I want to talk about, uh, I had a couple of questions and a couple of people had uh, emailed us. I want to hit upon those before we get started, okay? One of them came from uh, one of our clients, her name is Tessa, and she had to uh, go through a behavioral euthanasia, which was very tough, Um, and huge shout out to her for reaching out and mentioning it and I want to say she wants to she wants to see if we would talk about behavior behavioral euthanasia and I'm going to tell everybody yes we will be yeah that we have a whole podcast dedicated to it because it is an extremely important conversation while controversial and very and sensitive there is oh yeah uh and she you know she mentioned you'll probably get hate mail I already get hate mail I don't yeah. care um, and it's it's one of those things where I have to worry about my client's safety, which is why we sometimes have to go down that road. We're yeah. gonna get we're gonna go into a full conversation on that yeah. in a new in another podcast. So so please stay tuned. Yeah. Um, and if you have you know if you have had to do a behavioral euthanasia with one of the dogs you had adopted or had in your house, you know what? Email us. Yeah. Okay. So we can so we can hear your story as well. It's really hard on people, so we want to we want to make sure we dedicate an entire podcast to that, Tessa. So just so you know, please don't think we're ignoring you. We are going to discuss it, but yeah. it's a whole podcast. Yeah, and I will say that uh, Tessa did mention in her email that she discovered a group called Losing Lulu on Facebook, which um, was a support group yeah. for people that have had to do the behavioral euthanasia. So if you are someone that has had to do that... Tessa mentioned that it's been um, helpful for her. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bring that up, give you all that information as well on that other podcast. Yeah. It is something that has to happen, unfortunately, for people's safety and for other dog safety. But we'll talk about that because yes. I can I can spend eight hours talking about that. Yeah. All right. So the other question that we got was from one of our longtime clients. Kim. Yeah. Kim. So Kim was talking about how she knows that um, based on. Like listening to the podcast, especially about rank, that she knows that her dog has a gamma personality and that he um, will struggle when she goes around uh, friends or family with dogs. Um, and right now she's dealing with that um, 
and she her question was if we have any advice for how to help a gamma be more comfortable around other dogs when it's not a family pack but more like a temporary situation like holidays with family or dog sitting since the gamma personality feels like they have a lot to prove and when you bring in just a temporary we're going to be here for the weekend or a week or situation like that it's a great question and and there are a lot of times people will have that problem right the dog's making great progress or doing fantastic but then you have family come yeah which you know tis the season it's coming it's coming um laura and i are you know it's like game of thrones we're literally like it's winter coming. is coming <laughs> <laughs> because that's when we get all of the holy moly i gotta fix my dog for family comes yeah um and we usually warn people book your appointments in advance because during the holiday times we are slamming busy yeah um but going back to kim's question yes it's very difficult for a gamma because for them even if it's only for a day that they visit there's a maybe a stronger dog that's coming in and they want to make sure that dog's not staying now if you have family that's staying for two weeks three weeks maybe you're fostering a dog that's super confident and i bring up fostering because you all know i want you to foster Uh, but maybe you're fostering a confident dog how do you get your gamma to understand they don't have to display the problem is gammas have that personality they they are going to display so being sure that you're protecting the new dog and your dog at the same time meaning let's say confident dog goes over and says hey you know what i'm gonna steal your toy maybe say no let's not steal that dog's toy today you know um maybe keep them on a leash until you can establish that boundary that's a big help too now if your gamma is the one that's going i'm gonna mount you and hump you and steal your stuff and do everything growl at you for moving like all that kind of stuff all of those things and your gamma loses the right to have freedom but not in a corrective way so that's i think where we get into the hard part right we put we say loss of freedom doesn't mean they're punished okay means that you have to be able to control and protect yeah. So the only way I could do that with a four-legged creature is to put them on a leash. Yeah, and like I have had, we've done fostering, and uh, as I mentioned before, Forrest is a gamma, and um, he's he's had foster dogs come through, and I've had to have him on a leash or dragging a leash in the house just to make sure that he's not pressuring that other dog. Uh, and being inappropriate himself, right? Uh, because he feels like he he needs to prove himself. If that you Tell know, me. there's a new dog. Yeah, my know? bug is the same way. I need to prove myself, and and so it's just sometimes it's a lot of being a referee at that time. Um, if you're gonna have both dogs out, whether it's a family or a friend's dog, then you have to be prepared to to monitor. Don't think you can just. Let them go and and let them do. I'm going to say I know Kim for years now, and she is not going to do that. Yeah, She is uh, very good about paying attention to Diego. But you can't stop the behavior. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It's kind of the only way you could stop it is to control it, right, by keeping them on a leash. You're not going to be able to, to go to somebody's house that has a confident dog or, you know, most times submissive dogs, they don't care, but confident yeah. dogs... You're not going to be able to go to somebody's house or have somebody visit where your dog is going to go, oh, whatever. but it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. 
Gammas are work in progress their whole life. Yeah. That's that's the tough part, is you're always going to have to pay attention to them. I will never not be able to pay attention to Tony and my pug. Yeah, but the it goes into also, if you are trying to kind of correct that gamma's behavior, not overcorrecting, or else they're only going to feel like they need to display more right. if you're over, especially if you're doing it in front of that other confident dog. Well, now I need to compensate right. for the fact that you just did that. So the correcting, like, yes, you need to correct the behavior, but that doesn't mean, you know, pinning them to the ground or, or being overly handsy or, or forcing them to be vulnerable in front of that right. dog right there. So, like, with, yeah, exactly. Like, with gammas, I won't uh, I won't tell a gamma. I would never tell Tony to lay down in front of a brand-new dog. Yeah. Because no it's literally forcing him to be vulnerable in right. front of a dog he already feels uncomfortable with. And so he's going to over-display. So redirecting the behavior can be helpful. You know, redirecting it, making making him work around that other dog. Yeah. As opposed to making... But not forcing the yeah. work. If, Again, it's yeah. such a fine line. If it's I need Forrest line. to calm down and I need him to lay down and relax when I have another... Like, we will leave the space. We will go in another room so I can give him a moment. Because it's just like me... If I'm in a big room with my family sometimes. Laura does it, people will. I need, yeah, sometimes I need to just go in another room and take a moment. And our dogs are going to need that same kind of space sometimes. And it's, again, it's not the, a punishment. It's just giving them that break. Giving right. them the opportunity to take a breath. And then that's maybe where I'll ask Forrest to lay down or I'll try to get him in a a better mindset and I know um, behind this here from Kim's point of view because I've I've been working with her a long time she wants what's best for Diego and she yeah. wants him to be not stressed when there's another dog there right uh, and he's not more stressed when there's another dog there I know it seems like it but he's not more stressed he's showing off he's kind of like the high school kid that's got a flex yeah right um, and it's not He's not under stress. I want you to remember that. This is just his personality. He's, he's just got to show, show off. You know, I mean, you get a lot of um, midlife crisis people that do the same thing. They get the <laughs> the sports cars and they got to show off. Yeah. Well, they might have been the same way when they were younger. They had yeah. to get the fastest car, biggest muscle car, right? Yeah. It's the same thing with dogs. Yeah. So it's just giving them patience. Right. And uh, you're not and stressing him. He's not stressed. It's just a matter of him learning to redirect you could teach him how to do commands but not something vulnerable not in front of the other dog yeah yeah all right now let's go back to and thank you for your question Kim. yes always great questions from there all right so uh going back to today's podcast what we're going to be talking about um we're going to be talking about shelter dogs today which is um a pretty big topic i think across all over the world at this point but especially and this is a podcast that we're going to try our hardest to keep on time but we might have to break this into two yeah and the reason i say we might have to break this into a part two is because there's so much that i have to say about shelters yeah now and not i don't want everybody to listen going oh i'm going to turn it off because she's going to bash shelters i'm not there has there is a place for shelters they have to have a place to go if you have and it's it sucks, um, and for me, it absolutely is the worst thing to go yeah. into a shelter and see all of these amazing dogs. Breaks my heart. In the shelter, and there's just, you know, either 
no place for them to go because of overpopulation, which we're going to talk about because it's a sensitive subject for me, or, you know, they're not, they're, some of the uh, rural shelters don't have the ability to get their information out there. Yeah. We have social media, yes. And to say, you know, that's not an excuse, that social media, they don't have the manpower to do it. I mean... The resources are slim. Right. If you think about it, you know, and I'm going to say I have seen a a ton of shelters all over the United States. I'm going to say there are some shelters that every worker that works in a shelter, they are not going there to be evil, y'all. Yeah. They are going there because they care about the dogs and they they are what those dogs see every day. Yeah. They are what they see every day. It's emotional. It's hard for the employees. It's hard for the workers. It's super hard for the person that's got to make the decisions on who lives and dies. Yeah, and it's always hard when you see the, you know, the list of dogs that might be going up for euthanasia and that kind of stuff and people pushing um, and always saying that, you know, it's horrible that the shelter's having to do that. But this is not, that's not something they're going in and, you know. Right. All right, the cool. We're going right. to put down 15 dogs today. Like, that's right. definitely never something that's on any and, of and their honestly, minds. honestly, that pisses me off. Yeah, I feel really like bad because obviously people are going to immediately blame the, the shelter and the workers there and the people in charge. But most of the time that is... That's not... It, they're That's doing not the everything they can. Right. There is a little rural shelter um, that I had um, come across during a natural disaster one time. And those workers would bawl their eyes out because they had no choice. Yeah. They didn't have enough funding for to stay open on the weekends. So by the end of the week, they had no choice. They had to empty the shelter because there was nobody there to take care of the dogs. Yeah. Right. And they weren't spending money on giant cars or giant TVs or, you know, paint jobs on a building because they want the building to look prettier. No, they didn't have the money to do that. Yeah. You know, so they didn't have the money to have employees. They don't, sometimes they don't have the money for somebody to do social media. Nor the time. And I'm going to say, I'm going to bring this up because Laura and I work... Jesus, 14 to 16 hours. Yeah. We work a lot of hours. We do the podcast as a special thing because we want to get some education out there uh, and some information out there, right? So we do all of these things. Plus, we do uh, a community thing. We go out and do events. We, I mean, there's a lot of stuff we do. There is absolutely no time for us to do social media. And I have a lot... It's... Yeah. I have a lot of people that that contact us and go, we love those what-if videos. And I love them, too. We have so much fun when we're doing it. It's probably the only time Laura and I can actually joke around, have fun. And we love those videos, but we just don't have the time. It's very difficult to find the time. It's literally just trying to... Okay, let's let's real quick put one out. And, And I think... A lot of the times, too, even those shelter individuals... They work a lot of They hours. work a lot. And some of them even have other jobs. Right. Like, we have a lot of people that work for... That come to us with dogs from shelters looking for help for those dogs. And and they have a whole other full-time job while also having this bleeding heart for dogs. Right. And doing everything they can to help the dogs in the shelter... But they are the first people that are thrown in the fire yep. if something goes wrong. And it's so freaking bullshit. Yeah. It's so bullshit. So it's it, hard. Yeah. It drives me insane because, uh, you know, 
And I'm not advertising for any shelter. I'm not ever going to advertise for any specific shelter. I'm going to say that I have worked with multiple shelters from New York to Texas. Multiple shelters. And I have never seen a shelter that I go in and the person comes up and goes, Oh yeah, we're going to we you know, we're going to have fun this week cuz we're going to euthanize these dogs. They are not like that. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. This their job is hard enough. You need to stop. Yeah. People need to step back and stop making the employees feel guilty, right? None their job is hard that. enough and focus on what can really fix it. What can really fix it? Y'all get off your asses and do a spay-neuter freaking ordinance. Yes. I don't give a damn about all y'all people saying, we don't have an overpopulation problem. We have a people problem. Right. You're you're the people that's the problem. Yeah. The the people that's the problem is the one that's causing the issue Sorry, with the overpopulation. I hate this conversation because I get <laughs> mad. Well, because all of our shelters are overcrowded. They are literally constantly putting on events or begging people to come and foster and adopt because they have no space and they are having to either do euthanasias or putting dogs in crates right. in the in room. Like, that are saying, we don't have an overpopulation problem, we don't need a spay and neuter ordinance, are the same people that are slamming the shelter employees for having to make space and euthanize. Yeah. Y'all are, are feeding the problem. Yeah. Fix it. Fix it by putting an ordinance in. And, yeah, okay, who's going to regulate the ordinance? Um, So, right, all y'all who are armchair quarterbacks sitting back going, we don't need a span neuter, you monitor it. Yeah. If you have that much time on your damn hands to bitch and moan about shelter employees or shelter directors or shelters in general... Sit do, back, do something about and it. do some regulation on it. Do something about it, except for being a keyboard, yeah, um, bash and just go back there and, and yell at people. But then you don't do anything after the right. fact. Right? That just it gets on my last nerve. And I'm, I mean, I'm probably going to get a shit ton of hate mail because we're in Austin, the no kill city, right? Yeah. Which is bullshit, and I'm going to say that I do not. I'm not a fan of the entire no-kill theory. While I don't want to see dogs killed, I don't. I also don't want to see dogs dumped in rural areas because they can't bring it to a shelter because there's no space. Yeah. Those dogs are dying of this 109 degree heat, starvation, they're killing They're killing each other or they yeah. get run over by a car. Y'all don't see it because the people who are, again, bitching about, you know, the shelter people, they live in gated communities. Yeah. They don't have to deal with what's going on uh, in other places. I could, I mean, we could put their address down and say, hey, go over here if you have an abandoned dog and you don't, instead of abandoning it here on the east side, go over here. But we wouldn't do that, right? So us on this side of town that see all these abandoned dogs, all the people that are trying to collect these un, these unwanted dogs or not even unwanted so i'm going to say that because there are situations where the dog is just not safe in the house yeah we've had a couple where i've seen that that they've been um trying to rehome them because they're literally they're not safe they're not safe for their family members they're not safe for their neighbors they're not safe for the dog in their house and again we're going to talk about that a little bit more in depth in another podcast but these dogs that they need to surrender, yeah. they can't. They can't. 
they can't because the shelter's full. And, you know, the shelter can't really do much about that because they're being hounded about you're being cruel because you're euthanizing well, what the, what are they, what supposed, are they to do? supposed to do? Now we have dogs running the street. You've got dog-run dog packs out there. Um, and you, you're putting, you know, society at risk in a lot of situations, too, because you can't take the dog to the shelter. Well, if you can't take the dog into your home to foster it, one, you have no idea what kind of dog that is that you might be fostering. But, two, if you have small kids or other dogs or whatever it might not be a safe environment well what are you supposed to do right and i mean I there's mean, been a see. lot of people on social media media that are literally like i'm gonna have to just let them go right and you know you see that in in a lot of areas you know a lot of people pick up a dog and they'll call up the uh city shelter and say and this is all areas not just austin they'll call up the city shelter and say hey i got this stray dog well in this area travis county ish I'm going to say I've had multiple people that contact us and yeah. go, what do I do? I called them and they said that I have to keep this dog. Yeah, that they don't have, they space. have space. Or they have or an appointment it. in like a month and a half to get and, them in. And our clients that are picking these dogs up are doing it because they don't want to see a dog suffer in this heat. Yeah. But they can't keep the dog because the dog's going to kill their other their dog might be the aggressor yeah and they might be their dog in the house that's not safe but they don't want to drive past the dog on this on the side of the road and go okay i had uh, a client last week say that she was driving down the toll road saw three dogs on the side of the road and it absolutely killed her she wanted to stop and get them but she couldn't because she said i couldn't bring them to shelter and i know that yeah there's so what we're doing do. is just letting them stay out here. Now, not all of the no-kill idea is a bad idea. I'm going to say I moved here in 2006 and into Texas, and the euthanasia rate was ridiculously high, mostly because they just wanted to get rid of the dogs they couldn't adopt. Not because they... Uh, and I, I'm going to say that. It was awful back then. Uh, if it looked like a pit bull they euthanized it now if you look at the shelter almost every dog in the shelter is a pit bull uh i'm happy that they're not just killing because of looks or because the dog uh looked a little worried about a human they're not doing that and that's the only good aspect there is where it's drawing more attention to the right behaviors right you're not don't euthanize a dog because its tail is tucked and it's afraid Or judgment of the breed. Right, or judgment of the breed. But y'all have to make a decision somehow. It's a horrible situation. Yeah. If you're going to be a no-kill area, then you have to have the support of the community. But, I mean, you also have to take into account, kind of like we talked about earlier with with Tessa's question, the behavioral euthanasia situations. And that plays a part into it as well of knowing when it is the right. best time and, and the like amount was, of aggression yeah. cases that are coming out into adoption is absolutely it's ridiculous. intense ridiculous it's, intense. it's it's just escalated so much and you know one of the reasons is because you know the shelters aren't assessing anymore you know then well, they can if they have hundreds of dogs being well, influxed in a day right. either. they can't they don't have the time or resources uh, a lot of them don't some of them that do have groups that are hounding them saying don't do it because it's a bias now in the shelter you're not going to get the right behavior from the dog however you're also going to see if a dog is going to kill someone yeah if they're going to try to physically hurt somebody i mean or kill another dog we have we have one one case that always sticks with me 
this dog has bitten so many people, and I'm not going to mention any names because I won't do that. This dog has bitten so many people uh, while it was at a stay at a shelter, bitten multiple volunteers, multiple um, people, and they they put the flea out there. Uh, and because this couple was an introvert couple, they snagged them. Yeah. We don't you have friends or family yeah. that come over and visit, so you awesome. can take You're this dog. You're the great, great house because you don't have other now, people coming over. When I say you're not going to see the real dog in the shelter, there are cases where you're not going to see the real thing, uh, real behavior. However, there are ways around that. You can, you can, if you are so dedicated to saving lives, then think about public safety and their dog's lives as well. Yeah. Don't just think about one thing and your popularity. Think about what, the whole picture, right? The whole picture is the adopter, is it safe? The adopter's pack members, are they safe? Yeah. If that dog gets out, is the neighbor kid safe? Yeah. That's where we have to stop and go, hey, you know, maybe we should just think about this. Shoving dogs out is because maybe not the best Because this couple that I'm talking about, this case that I'm talking about... Um, it took them six months to adopt the dog. Yeah. Six months because the dog kept trying to attack them, kept trying to attack the shelter people, and they lived in their house with this dog attacking them. Yeah. And, it, you know, so it's here's not the thing. A good it's not situation. And it's not just a one-up case, y'all. No, we've had a couple. We had another case where it was the same thing. It was a dog that needed a house with no other dogs and just... One and person are, that's an introvert. And there are cases. Yeah, that one was bad. He couldn't, that, that, one that was, client couldn't even leave his house without being attacked. Yeah, that right. one was really bad. That was really intense. But you're going to see that, y'all. If it takes you that long to adopt a dog out because it's injuring your volunteers, your staff members, and potential adopters, stop and think, why is that dog's life better than the adopter's life? Why is that dog's life better than the neighbor's dog's life? It's also thinking about, like, the best for that dog because if they're in that state of mind where they are that aggressive, what kind of life is that for that dog? Like, right. what, what mentality are they in in their own brain? And we're not talking about dogs that have, you know, issues like, oh, I got to bark at all dogs or... Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to fight with other male dogs. So this isn't this isn't what I'm talking about, okay? So all of the people that are firing off that hate mail as we speak, um, I would honestly stop and think. These aren't the dogs that are coming to us to say, hey, my dog reacts poorly and yeah. I'm afraid to have dog friends. That's a different story, y'all. Yeah. If you get a dog that's put into your shelter or you have a dog in your shelter that has multiple attacks or bites on people, it's obvious that's going to happen outside. Yeah. Now, if you have a dog that's just reacting because of the stress in the shelter, that's you take them story. outside of the shelter, and they're okay, and they're not biting people, there's no risk. I will, My thought process is, if I could take that dog home myself to my wife and my two children and my dogs, Right? Yeah. So that's that's where I think we, we get lost. Yeah. So a lot of times we have these people that are bashing me because I have this thought process. And I'm going to say I have we have a lot of people that hate me because I'm, I'm not going to stay quiet about that. 
And they'll bash me and say, you know, well, you know, don't go over there. Don't go to her because she's going to tell you this dog's too aggressive. Damn straight I am. (laughs) I sit across from people who are crying in the chair across from me on their consultation because they were afraid to live in their own house. Yeah. Abusive relationship. It's not okay. And the... And we always ask, I mean, I'll always ask if someone, when they've adopted a dog, did the shelter give you information about this dog so that you knew a little bit about what you were getting into it? And and it's kind of a mixed bag. Sometimes it's a, the dog wasn't at the shelter long enough. They were only there for a week or two. They were brought in from somewhere else. They didn't have enough time. And that does happen a lot. You're not going to see the real dog. No, and but then there are other times where they go, yeah, they mentioned that they had had a bite on their history or that they had attacked another dog, um, but it wasn't their fault, and so they thought that it would still be okay. And then they're here, and, and it's obviously not okay. Right. So a lot of times you're not going to see specific behaviors within three weeks. Yeah. Right. And and the, I think the shelters put that out there, the, the rule of threes, the three days, the three weeks, the three months. And that is a real thing that some people will not give the dog the opportunity and they'll take the dog home and it'll be, you know, getting into the trash or something or irritating them and they take it back within two days and the dog hasn't even had time to decompress from living in a very stressful environment. Super stressful. This shelter is super stressful. So, Which is the other thing for me that makes this whole no-kill thing harder for me. Yeah. I see the pictures with cages upon cages upon cages lined up in the Sally Port, which is hot. The, the conference rooms. I mean, the employees that work there have cages by their desks because they're doing everything they can to save every dog. And I love them for it. But the pressure is on them so intensely to save yeah. every single dog yeah. that they're stressing the dogs more. Yeah. They it's, can't possibly it's hard. give all of those dogs enough attention. Yeah. I mean, I've I've walked into shelters and um, because a lot of the dogs that, I will, uh, that I've adopted are from a shelter. Um, but I will say that it takes me multiple times of going to multiple different shelters and I have to take breaks in between my shelter visits because it's overwhelming for me just to to walk through it right and I literally will take and I might be able to go to one or two shelters in a day if I'm actually going to look for a dog um but then I have to take a break it's it's emotionally draining Mm -hmm. to walk the lines of the shelter and seeing the dogs that are there whether it's you know, seeing the small puppies that are there or or even, I think for me, just because of what we see here, it is the dogs that I see that I'll walk past and their immediate thing is to attack the crate right. or attack the fence and like immediate defensive or shut down in the back or baring their teeth already trying to bite me. <laughs> and I'm literally like, I can't, I think those are the ones that break my heart more because were they uh, would they be okay i don't know because i don't know how long they've been at the shelter the seeing dogs that have been there for almost a year or multiple years i mean that dog what kind of life is that 
right. for I mean, that dog. I wouldn't be okay living right. in, in that right. situation. And that's the thing that really kills me is you don't have enough time. Those employees work already ridiculous yeah. amounts of work to take care of the dogs. They do, you know, put it I mean, out they're there they're doing for the best they, they can. are doing the best they can, and it's sad for them, too. But there's no way you can potentially give those dogs exactly what they need. Now, yeah, there's enrichment programs. I mean, I've started a few in shelters. But you still need to have a manageable amount of animals yeah. in order to have enrichment. Yeah. Having hundreds upon hundreds of dogs... And, I mean, you can have as many people as possible, but sometimes it's it's not enough because the shelter environment is going to be stressful regardless. Right. Even with enrichment, it's going to be stressful. So, it's so yeah, I it's mean, just there a, a lose-lose in a lot of cases. So, there's a few, there's a few shelters that we've worked with um, that we put our enrichment program in. And, you know, here's the thing. They are truly doing what they can to de-stress the dogs in their shelters yeah by enriching them but they don't have the amount of dogs that our no kill city shelter has because they have to make those tough they decisions have, yeah they have to be able to manage they just it. don't have enough people out there to say hey you know every weekend i'm going to take this dog out and parade it around town with an adopt me vest they're they're little they're, shelters yeah they're, they're doing shelters. the best they can. Right. I, I remember... And they have to deal with the overflow from Austin because yeah. they're not taking any dogs in. Yeah. Right? So those little tiny shelters on the outskirts... Are over over the top. They're drowning right now. Because yeah. the dogs are being left out and they tend to be left in their counties. So they have to pick up the dogs, yeah. put them in their shelters, and then they get stuck with having to make the decision. It really is a horrible process and I think a lot of people have to take a step back and go you know there's a better way to do this there is one of the best ways to do it is goddamn spay neuter yeah for all of y'all and I'm gonna say it again for all of y'all that have a problem with spay and neuter having an ordinance get off your butt and regulate it for the shelter you have so much to say to put people down about it do something by regulating it. That's how you can help, right? Stop bitching and calling these people murderers and they suck and whatever. Stop it. They're not. They're busting their ass and they have to cry every week because they see one of their favorite dogs having to be euthanized for whatever reason, right? They yeah. have to do these things. Why? Because we have too many dogs. Well, and a lot of dogs that will come into the shelter that are lost or and, and they won't be fixed. Right. But... They, the shelter, I don't remember how many times they have oh. to come to the shelter before they fix them. Oh, Do so they that's, fix them? Oh, so great. Right there. That was a sore note for you to pick up. Um, so, you know, it was a few years ago that um, we, um, I was actually part of a bunch of people that went and said, hey, we should have spay neuter uh, mandatory if your dog repeatedly offends it, right, and comes in. Um, and get spayed and neutered. Um, so that was shot down. And they actually took it away for the first impoundment, as, for the second impoundment as well. So there is no limit. Oh, so you can have a dog that's brought in like five, Joe Schmo six, seven have, times. Uh, his, his dog who's walking around impregnating every single dog in his neighborhood get picked up by animal control, take his dog out, and just 
it just keeps happening. It keeps going. So what happens is it's a vicious circle. So yeah. all of the people that said it's, you can't possibly do it. Bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. So I'm going to say the Northeast, the Northeast, there is, they look for dogs to adopt out. Which is why so many why southern send, states send their ship dogs, up there. dogs to the northeast. Yeah. Why do they have it? That would be a great problem to have here in Texas, wouldn't it? Yeah. Right. But everybody um, on the uh, you can't man you can't mandate spay and neuter side of the fence is going. Well, we'll have no dogs. You're so full of shit. Yeah, we're gonna have plenty of dogs. <laughs> You'll never not have dogs. Now, yeah. here's the thing: if you have a reputable breeding. Now, reputable, and I'm going to keep stating this, right? Somebody's going to check up on their dogs after they're adopted uh, or sold, whatever, right? Not in pet stores. Yeah. This is not pet stores. They shouldn't even exist. Worse. The, the worst thing in the world. We're going to talk about that when we talk to Courtney from PMAD. Yeah. Uh, because one. that's a big subject of mine, too, that really pisses me off. But... Um, Breeders, proper breeders, you will never not have enough dogs. Yeah. There has never been a time in history where uh, we've been low on that dogs. Where we've been, oh my god, I can't find a dog. Yeah, never. I, I went to the shelters and there was no dogs never. at all. Never, never, no. Right. Yeah, and and I remember you know uh, listening to about the spay and neuter stuff and and the fact that a majority of those dogs that are brought in. Um, to the shelter that aren't fixed and our repeat offenders are also the dogs that are more likely to have behavioral issues or are the ones that um, make it difficult for kids to go to school because they're not safe because they're literally running the streets. Right. So we have it all over this side of town, right? Um, We used to, uh, part of our community program was to go into the community programs. We used to give little marine air horns to kids. To walk to school. Yeah. Um, of course, Client, COVID I, yeah. put a damper on that, but yeah. um, we're starting up our, you know, our whole routines again, getting back into regular life, and people are at, kids are actually having to go to bus stops, and, uh, you know, this is not good, y'all. Yeah. Not good, because then you have the dogs that can't get into a shelter, because there's an appointment, or they're over full, and again, it's not the shelter's fault, yeah. y'all. Spay and neuter is the number one. Number one right there. Get it done. Yeah, and because then those dogs that aren't spayed and neutered, they go through their adult life, and then maybe they're impounded again, and then their their owners don't pick them up. Um, or they are surrendered because of behavioral issues, and they're not fixed. Okay, well, that opens the whole other can of worms of when you fix your dog, and they're five years old, and they've already had that long to be unaltered and they have behavioral issues because they've been so confident in themselves because they've had that it's a long road to have that dog but you can do it as depending on the types of aggression yeah um you can do it but if if they were just i i'm gonna keep stressing the whole overpopulation thing drives me insane Drives me insane. Yes, there should be. Hey, your dog gets picked up first time. Got his boy. His boys. I'm gonna be nice. He's <laughs> got his boys in the back, or your female is a pregnant mama gets picked up by the shelter. Yeah. Uh, you come and claim that dog, but you leave the puppies behind because you can't find homes for the puppies. You are contributing. You're to the, the problem. problem. You are part of the problem. 
Right. You have a male dog gets picked up, unneutered. You pick it up. You still don't neuter it. Gets loose again because it's gonna. Yeah. I mean, it's not fixed, so it's, it's gonna, gonna go out there looking for it's things. Gonna. Right. You know, these are these are things that I think really do need to happen. And you know, uh, less of the bashing of shelter employees and more of the how can we fix the overpopulation? Yeah. We have to find a, a solution that doesn't include. Uh, getting on and just being I mean, part of the problem. Yeah. Not doing anything about it, but just being angry about but, it. You know, the, and again, we said we're going to make this a two-parter because there's so much to talk about when it comes to shelter dogs. And I, I think we're definitely going to have to because I still haven't even touched upon the behaviors you might see in a shelter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that does... Like we said earlier, the, the rule of threes that shelters put out there a lot is something that we talk about with our clients because a lot of people will adopt a dog from a shelter and they'll give that dog time to decompress um, and that dog might be sweet as pie for the first you know three days or so and then when we dig deeper and we ask about when did you start seeing some behavioral changes uh, it's weeks, almost months. every time. Well, it was probably within like the first month or so. And, and it's like, oh, okay, so about three weeks? Yeah, definitely. About yep. around that time. And that's <laughs> when they had their first, like, I'm going to start being more reactive or, right. or doing something um, inappropriate. And, and then it just kind of escalates from there into uh, three months in the home. I always tell clients okay you've had the dog for two months we're already seeing them because you started seeing issues within the first month be aware that three month marker you're going to be able to put it on your calendar and know when you're there uh, because you're going to see some changes in that dog even at that time as well three months six months nine months yeah it goes every three months but you know people you i think again it is it goes down to there's the shelters try i know multiple shelters try by giving out information of what to expect but society as a whole is impatient yeah right so we want it fixed and we want it fixed now and it's like they adopt the dog they bring the dog home and they go oh this isn't exactly what i wanted so i'm going to return it and get a new dog yeah (laughs) i i mean yes we don't want you to keep a dog that doesn't match you right but maybe go in and i do see that there's some uh match programs that i'm seeing pop up i have i'm gonna do a little bit more digging into that because i i think that's a really great idea that they're trying to match people with pets and i think it's wonderful it's a wonderful program i'm gonna say there's one shelter director that ran her shelter as a no-kill even though you know a lot of people um she she wasn't really saying it was no-kill but she ran her shelter as a no-kill. She blew that shelter out of the park. She did amazing things while she was there. She's retired now, and she's one of my heroes. Um, But she did amazing things there. She really did. She did everything she could to get every dog adopted, right? She had to make hard decisions, too. It's going to happen. No shelter is going to be 100% no-kill. But she's probably one of the best, I think, 
you're dealing with a lot of different situations Out in there. a shelter. But it's it's because she really, I mean, I don't think she ever slept while she worked, but um, I really, I think that woman just worked 24-7. Well, and I think, like, as when I was younger, the idea of no-kill, it sounds amazing. And when I, like, because where I adopted two of my dogs was one of those rural shelters that... Um, any dog that was considered a dangerous breed. We're talking the pitties, but also the dobies, the the German shepherds, the chow chows. And that's like, what no kill changed, thank yes. God. Yes, because for me, I was actually like, oh, okay, that's awesome. I because it was, it was heart-wrenching. I would go into that shelter where I adopted two of my dogs, and there was a mama pity with five puppies, and they had just been found, and they were like, they have three days to be claimed and then we have to euthanize all of them and I was like are you like I'll adopt one of those puppies now that's what I wanted I was coming in for a dog and they're like you're not allowed to even adopt them they have to be picked up or they're put down and that was where I was the no kill I was like this is so much better because that was horrible oh yeah that it was really bad like I said when I first came down here it was really bad yeah really bad but um but now we it's, have a totally different problem. We have a tremendous no problem that nobody's, everybody's sweeping it under the carpet. Yeah. Right. Now, and, and I think, you know, the problem is no kill is don't kill anything. Yeah. I think it should be called no birth, personally. <laughs> I think that should be the new movement, right? No birth. No birth. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the movement should be. Um, because that's where the problem is. Yeah. Right. But I am happy that people fought to stop the prejudgment stupid mindless killing of breeds yeah just random because breeds, breeds because they were a specific right. breed or they looked like a right breed, specific i'm super breed. happy that that stopped but it didn't have to go to the extreme of everything has got to live warehoused in shelter buildings Otherwise, we're going to make that shelter director and the staff members feel like they're murderers. Yeah. That's got to stop. Yeah. That's got to stop. And if you want, I mean, go to a shelter and and volunteer and and help or go and just go talk to those volunteers. Go express your gratitude to them. If you don't have time to go and walk dogs or (laughs) just go and tell them that. That you appreciate them because right. I can guarantee you they don't get enough no. people coming in and saying, "I know your job is hard, but I do appreciate the work you're doing." Right? Nobody, nobody ever says it, and it sucks. You don't have to go it's to the shelter to get a job. dog. Just go and thank your your shelter volunteers and or the, the people shelter that work workers. there. Yeah, yeah. and and contact. Um, t- contact the city to try to get a better ordinance. Spay and neuter. We need something. There but, has to be you know, something. I've already done that battle, and I'm, I'm, I'm. Maybe if enough people are yelling, and those keyboard warriors start putting their their no, their battles all, towards something else, they're all going to email me and tell me I, <laughs> I am. Uh, so the last time I spoke out um, about the whole overpopulation thing, I got emails for days saying you're pro murder. I'm not kidding. I was like, ah, y'all can suck it. No, I'm I mean, not. I'm happy that the breeds aren't being singled out and killed just because of the breed. Like I said, yeah. I'm super happy, but it should not have gone to the extreme of we're torturing dogs in yeah. multiple cages in shelters yeah. because they're going to 
of God, they have to make this quota. Yeah. Who the hell puts a number on things like yeah. that? Come on. That's like saying, you know what? Every prisoner in jail has to be re- rehabilitated. Yeah. Austin is the new, let's say, uh, no-kill, uh, no-long-term prisoner. Yeah. That's but not it's gonna not going to happen. happen. It's not going to happen. We're doing the same thing with dogs, but they can't speak and say, hey, I'm really... Sh- I'm freaking stressed yeah. sitting in this kennel, not getting out to go for a walk because the shelter doesn't have resources have because y'all decided a number was important. Yeah. Right. I think judgment has to happen here. I think somebody has to go, let's sit back and go. There has to be a better way. There has gotta, to be a better way. We got to figure it out. There has to be a better way. Maybe stop putting dangerous dogs in households. You already know these dogs are dangerous. I cannot fathom the thought of somebody telling me we had no idea that dog was dangerous look everything is not rainbows and unicorns yeah everything is not rainbows and unicorns there are dogs that are attacking children being adopted out a resource aggressor this one right here this one drives just blows my goddamn mind one of our cases the dog had to be tricked by an officer to eat a sedation pill because it had its entire family trapped in the house because it was such a resource guarder, right? So the officer did her best to make sure that the family was safe. This The family was trapped. They had to call for help. They had to call the police to help them because they were trapped by this damn dog. Don't you goddamn know that dog went out for adoption that same, na- that same damn night? Yeah. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, well, the dog that... Um the dog that wouldn't let the the client leave his house because he yes. was attacking him. He went out that same night. He, he was up for... I, I literally... Because one of the times when I was walking around, I saw him. And I was yep. like, I remember that dog because he wanted to eat me. Do you remember that console? We, we God, he was terrifying. That, that poor... I felt so bad for that guy because we had gone there and he was an introvert, which is why they singled him out for this perfect fit. Yeah. Um, now, they didn't have this match program. I'm going to make sure I state that for the listeners. This was not part of a match program. Yeah. But... You know, when you say, you know, you're an introvert, you, you don't know, have a lot of people coming over, this will be great. This will be great. This is a great dog for you then because it's not a good people dog. And what they re- what they forget to tell you is the dog is also going to bite the shit out of you. Yeah, he's not a people dog, meaning he doesn't like any people, including right. you. I mean, during the consult... I thought he was going to come through the door. Well, I thought the poor guy was going to get killed. I, I felt really, really bad for him because every he was trying his hardest... And he said, I can't lock him behind a door because I can't close the door and get out. He attacks me. Yeah. And then he was on leash, of course, and trying to attack him. And then I was like, oh, my God. He couldn't get a muzzle on him because you couldn't put even a collar on him. Yeah. He was ridiculous. Couldn't even touch his neck. We go outside. He had to leave his his leash on 24-7 because he couldn't put a leash on. (laughs) We went outside because I was like, I can't watch this. You're going to get hurt. We're going to go outside like we left and then, you know, just... Come outside and meet, and we'll just do the consult outside. Yeah. So because your safety is priority. Because the dog tried to bite him multiple times. And good while we were lord, there. it sounded. Laura and I were on the other side of this door, and it sounded like a bar fight. Yeah. In his house, just for him to get out. He that poor guy came out so sweaty and just. Yeah. I mean. Just beside himself. I mean, yeah. nobody, nobody has he to live literally like that. And went that dog because went out he wanted for to say he wanted to save the dog. He went he went to the shelter to save a life, and instead he literally put his own at risk. Right. 
and that shouldn't happen. And that dog, he did. He had to make the decision that he wasn't safe. Right. And and return it, and it was. It was back up for adoption because I literally saw the dog while yep. I was walking through the shelter. And I saw it, and I was like, oh. Oh, I recognize this yeah. dog. I'm going to give it a wide berth. Uh, I know how dangerous it is. And on the thing, it said that he was um, friendly. And he loved scratches and mm. and getting attention. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh. <laughs> right. And I think a good part of that, too, is a lot of shelters are now going into uh, giving the shelter dogs medications. Yeah. Which yeah. is another big one for me. I get it. Yeah. You're stressing the dogs out because you're uh, you're putting so much pressure. Is just right. So crazy. You're putting so much pressure on it. You have so many dogs you might have to have that, that there are shelters that are medicating drugs, uh, medicating dogs with drugs. So you're not seeing the real dog. You well, can scratch mo- that dog. Absolutely. Well, in most shelters, anyways, you won't see the real dog. Regardless, right? That dog might like scratches at the shelter because they're not going to potentially even be that intense in the shelter environment because there are so many other dogs around. Right. They don't know another, that they won't get killed by the other dogs in that's that space. Another, that's another factor that plays here. But the right? moment you take them out of that shelter environment and they realize that they're out of there and, and now it's just one-on-one with you, well, well, I can take you on. I couldn't take all 200 of those other dogs around me on, but now it's just you. Yeah. It's different. Right, it's different. There's so much that goes on to shelters. So, uh, and, I, and I can, I can, I can go on for hours. But um, you know, some sometimes they're medicated at the shelter, so you're not going to see the real dog. Yeah. Um, and then you know, when people get the dog home, they take them off the medication, and hello, Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Right. So um, there are things we're definitely going to have to do a second round because we're going to run over here. So. Uh, we're gonna make a part two of the shelter, yeah, and well, just finish discussing this next time. Our next, so our next episode will actually be um, with Courtney for um, talking about puppy mill awareness, which will kind of go into the overpopulation situation as well too, and some of the the horrors that Courtney has seen oh, yeah. and dealt with, and um, and that'll kind of bleed into what we've been talking about uh, today, and then. Uh, the next episode will go a little bit deeper into some of the behavioral things that you can see in the shelter and some of the things that we see with the dogs. And some of the things you can actually test too. Yeah. Right. When you go so to the shelter and we you're didn't looking even get for to a dog. Part. So yeah. when you're going to the shelter and looking for a dog, you know, we talked to Antonia about high drive dog and yeah. Nick's had to fit her personnel. She looked for yeah. a dog that fit what she was looking for. But anybody else's house, there's no way Nick's would have been successful. No. But that was because Antonia had that experience. Where I say that all the time, I'm like, uh, right. Nick's is, is very lucky because her mama is the is one of the would, only people I think that she could have been successful with. Right. She's the only. She is truly one of a handful. Yeah. I, that I know of in 35 years of doing this that could have taken Nick's and been successful. Yeah. Right. So, um, but there's there's things you can do to test. There's things questions you can ask the shelter. There's actually things you can do to help your shelter as well. We're yeah. gonna. I, I really want to go into the second part of this. Yeah. Um, and we'll and again we'll do it after Courtney um, because we are gonna um, talk about Courtney Lee and her um, her PMAT Puppy Mill Awareness Day. Yep. And overpopulation 
yep. pet stores. And all that kind Goddamn. of stuff, too. Um, so <laughs> we'll talk about all that next week. But, yeah, so I hope we didn't, uh, you know, <laughs> well, totally we, make you lower your volume a lot yeah. uh, because I was getting a little heated. This yeah. is a very sore subject for me because I see way too many people get yeah. hurt. Um, if you do have and questions, and I see way too, too many shelter yeah. <laughs> workers get hurt, and that pisses me off. At this point, off. yeah. And if you if you have questions, or um, you know, maybe you're looking for a shelter that you want to volunteer for, um, or you want a shelter that um, you want to get involved with. I mean, if you're unsure, shoot us an email. We have some great shelters that we work very closely with that would love any support, even if it's literally you coming by and dropping by and saying hi and giving the workers a smile. Right. Um, anything. But if you have questions on how you could support the, the local shelters or those rural shelters, but you might not be able to adopt a dog right now, then... Give us a shout. We can definitely give you some ways that you can help and give you um, direction for that. And if you are looking to an adopt a dog and you have questions of what should I be looking for when I go to a shelter, we're going to be that. talking about that. Um, and, and we can be support for you because yeah. we have supported a lot of clients go and find the right fit for their for their life going right. to a shelter. We're going to discuss that next time after, well, not next week. Following week after yep. that, after Courtney. Yep. Because <clears throat> PMAT is coming. Yep. All right. Y'all, um, as always, uh, if you love us, hate us <laughs> after this, I know I'm going to get a lot of hate mail. And I'm okay with that. You know, you can you can hate me as much as you like, but that's why we're doing the podcast is this is Laura and I's opinions and what we see from our side of the business. So yep. you can hate us if you'd like, but I appreciate you listening. Um, if you love us... Thank you very much. We appreciate that, too. Uh, any questions, anything, give us a shout. Info at k9translators.com. Info at the letter K, the number 9, translators.com. Uh, and as always, please remember to see them, hear them, in order to help them. And protect first. <laughs>